This podcast is brought to you by football-culture.com and you can find them on Twitter as well at football culture with C-L-T-R-E. But that's enough of them. Uh, we got North London Derby, boys. How are we? Tony, how are we, mate? Yeah, it's a very, very good day. Good day, eh, when we get a win. Yeah. Carl, how are you, mate? Delighted. Delighted. Savvy? Yeah, still buzzing after the game. And Schwinn, how are you, mate? Okay, um, so we're going to get straight into it as usual, the Arsenal v Spurs. We're going to preview that game and um, get everybody's thoughts on it. We'll start with Tony. And mate, What do you think of the lineup when it first came out? Um, it's what he sees as our strongest lineup. Um, I've gone on record, and I'm so happy that I was wrong. Um, I often criticise people for being big-headed when they're right and not saying anything when they're wrong and just going quiet, so I will own up. Um, it's what That's what Wenger sees our strongest lineup. so I wasn't surprised to see it, see that as the team. Um, personally, I w- said before the game I would have started Jack over Sanchez and played a flat three um, just because I thought they would dominate in the midfield and I didn't think uh, Sanchez's as heart had been in playing for us. Um, I was proved wrong and... I'm more than happy about that. Um, also with Mustafi, again, I'm, I'm not going to now say oh, he's the best player in the world because I've previously said I don't rate him and I still don't rate him. But he was unbelievable yesterday. Um, I think people were talking about how well Ozil and Sanchez play because they're the, they're the headline writers and especially with Ozil because he's got accused of going missing in big games and whatnot. But uh, for me, I thought Mustafi was man of the match. But again, he's not a headline writer. But... He literally, I don't think he put a foot wrong all game, which is so unlike him. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was outstanding. Um, but yeah, as you said, the team, it's what Wenger sees our strongest, and uh, it probably is. Um, fair play, he got it right. He got everything right. Um, I'm guessing we're going to touch on the substitutions later, so I'll leave that for now. But um, yeah, I think he got everything um, like bang on, to be fair. And I think it's one of them days where everyone's so joyous that Arsenal won. And they're so quick to go Wenger out and blame Wenger when we lose. But I think everyone should stop and take a moment and say, you know what? You've got, you got everything right. Yeah. yeah. What was your take on it during the week of the lead-up to the game? There's a lot of people basically saying, and a lot of articles floating around, uh, he should drop Sanchez. And I think yeah, I may have seen Ozil come up there as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was calls for both of them to be dropped. And as I said, I'd be a hypocrite if I go, ah, no, that would have been a stupid idea because I, I was, I would have liked to have seen Jack in there because he knows the size of the game and understands what it means. And um, and if you bring Jack in, it, I thought the only obvious person he could take out was Alexis mm. um, or potentially Ozil. But I think uh, uh, Ozil obviously likes to play with the ball and control the ball. And in a game that is going to be all fast-paced you need someone that with a cool head and Ozil certainly is that whereas Sanchez is a match winner but he turns the ball over a lot he loses the ball a lot so for me as I said I, I would have liked Jack in um, and Alexis out prior to the game but as I said I'm more than happy to say I, I was wrong I've been proved wrong and obviously I wish I was wrong every week mm-hmm. um, so I, I can understand why people were saying that 
as I said, it's clear. Or I mean, it has looked clear at times that Sanchez's head isn't been in, in the in the game or or even with Arsenal. Um, so I can I can fully understand why people were saying it, and I was one of them. So rewind twelve months, and it wouldn't have been happening. Is it? Oh yeah, yeah. So if I would have said that twelve months ago, people would have unsubscribed to this podcast. <laughs> Exactly. Um, okay, we'll come back to subs and whatnot. Now, Carl, what was your take on the game, mate? What do you think? Um, it was an amazing game from start to finish. I think the first 10 minutes was one of the best Arsenal performances of, in the start of a game I've seen all season. And even this game, it, it, it can be up there with Chelsea, but obviously Arsenal, I think... I think that's our best game of the season because we didn't get any, we didn't get a win at Chelsea, but we got a win here. Mm. And uh, Sanchez was really up for the game. I, I rated his performance a hell of a lot. His work rate was outstanding. Uh, I think Meza Özil, um, he was pulling all the strings in the attack. Lacazette was making some fantastic runs yesterday. Um, I'd like to see another man of the match contender, and that's Koscielny. I think he had a couple of uh, iffy moments at the start, but. He had Kane in his pocket all game. Kane mm. had it if he need, but still, Kane's a Kane's a world class <coughs> striker, and Koscielny marshaled him out of the game. Um, Tottenham weren't performing to their best, but still, we absolutely dominated them. And yeah, as I said, that's by far our best performance of the season so far. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was a good win. Um, Schwinn, what was your take? Yeah, absolutely brilliant, isn't it? This is this is one of those games that you know we look forward to, and as soon as the game's about to you know be just be around the corner, you start palpitating, and you know the, the the anxiety creeps in. But even before the game started, I mean, rewind as you touched a little bit about the media. Uh, we were heavily criticized in the build up to the game. No one believed in you know our ability to walk away with the points, even though the game was at the Emirates. Uh, throughout the week, we saw pundits and experts build their combined 11s, and I don't think I saw even a single 11 which had more than three Arsenal players. And at that point, it just felt like you know they were just acknowledging a few Arsenal players, not really getting deep uh, into their selections. But I mean, good for us to show them that you know we can we can step up our game uh, on the given day. And before kickoff, you know, the stadium was buzzing. Uh, you could hear the fans singing already and trying to build up the atmosphere, trying to get the players ready. Uh, as Tony mentioned, this is arguably our best lineup um, uh, in terms of what we have and in terms of what fits the system and what Wenger likes. Uh, have to say, though, that uh, Tottenham were missing some key players. Uh, Aldo Weireld, Danny Rose didn't play, Victor Wanyama. Uh, I think Christian Eriksen was not 100% after international break. Mm. Uh, Davidson Sanchez was nervy, uh, which was good because uh, we will, of course, get into the goals and this and that. But he was on the receiving end of a lot. And Harry Kane had strapping on his right thigh, uh, which also alluded to the fact that he's not 100 percent either. But bragging rights. I don't argue with bragging rights. I do not argue with points. Uh, this performance was special because of the bragging rights. And uh, we cannot deny um, that. You know, we were the better team on the day. Um, we outclassed them, and we ought to enjoy the victory. Mm-hmm. But no, it was good. It was, be... it was. But I just wanted to touch on you, Schwinn, before you got too carried away. Um, Ramsey and Shaka, and I, I love a lot of you know that I'm a fan of Shaka. But do they? What's your thoughts on them in the in the in the mids? 
uh, as, as of a yesterday, as a combination, yeah. As of yesterday, they were on point, but at the same time, they were playing against Musa Dembele and Sissoko. Now, I think Musa Dembele had a had a decent game, um, but Sissoko was their weak link, and we did a very good job of exploiting that. Hmm. But uh, uh, in the longer term, I do not think that Chaka and Ramsey are our solution. Um, because they don't provide enough legs in midfield. I mean, I know Ramsey runs all over the place, and, and Jaka has a little bit of stamina in him too. But, you know, you need someone like an Angolo Conte, which, you know, are few that exist in the world. Hmm. But when you have that, just two players in midfield in the center of the park, you need more. You need, you need one person to act like two people, and we don't have that sort of a player. We need an extra body in there, especially when we're playing one of the teams that is going to attack at us more. And, you know, those flaws were were shown against City. I mean, Wenger mentioned this after the game, that this performance was not that different from City. You know, of course, it didn't click as much as it did uh, yesterday. But th- the City game was close. Uh, we did lose 3-1, and we-, we were slated in the media. But there wasn't that much of a difference. But it, it just shows that, you know, j- the scoreline at the end of the day will change everyone's opinion on, on who performed well and what. Um, but, yeah, I mean... We can get. We'll get into the specifics later. But bragging rights, uh, love it every day. The scum gets reminded of where they belong, and <laughs> onwards and upwards. <laughs> yep, that's it. Um, Savvy, what was your take on the whole game, mate? Yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant performance by the team. Uh, I think uh, the build-up to the game was uh, dominated by the talk of uh, power shift in North London, and uh, we give them a big L and. <laughs> It was uh, it was a brilliant performance, easily our best performance of the season, and uh, arguably the best collective performance by the team because uh, there was a lot of uh, desire, commitment, and togetherness in the team yesterday, and I love that. And it looked like everyone from uh, from Petacek to Lacazette they were playing for the badge, and it really felt very good, and uh, it really felt proud to be a fan of this team and. Uh, yeah, I think uh, everyone was great. Uh, Koshalni, I think, yeah, he uh, struggled a little bit aerially in first uh, 10 minutes. And then I think he was immense. Uh, he was nullifying every single ball that came his way. Then uh, Mustafi, yeah, he was close behind uh, my uh, man of the match, but uh, close behind Ozil for the man of the match. And uh, then Ozil, he ran the game. He was absolutely... Uh, uh, what was brilliant to see was his uh, defensive contribution. I think he he did very, very well defensively. I think he uh, won three or four tackles and uh, intercepted few passes, which is which was very surprising to see, but it was it was brilliant. He was really, really up for the game. And uh, Kolasinac, I have to say, I think uh, we have already talked about uh, him being uh, not that good defensively. But I think yesterday he was more, uh, he was concentrating more on, on his defensive duties than attacking. So it was really good. And yeah, I think Lacazette, I think he didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, Monreal was good. Czech made uh, some good saves at crucial times. I think uh, that save in the second half from Eric Da, I think it was a very, very, very good save. Then, yeah, everybody, uh, everybody gave their all and it was a brilliant performance. And you touched on Klozenac, and um, I had a question, and I was just looking for the question as you were talking from one of our followers. Yeah. Do you think he's better in the left back or the left mid? 
Yeah, in the current formation, obviously, he's playing as a left midfielder because uh, uh, in our formation, there is more uh, going forward than uh, defensively. But I think he's a very good left back too. He has shown that already when he was playing uh, on the left side of four at the back. So, I think he can be equally good. And defensively, strength, uh, everybody knows he's a player with a lot of strength. So, I think he's as good as as good defensively, as good attacking-wise. But yeah, he needs to concentrate more uh, defensively than attacking. And that he did yesterday very well. Okay, and that question was from uh, MW, uh, MAA Gaming. And uh, he's also got another couple of questions, which we'll touch on shortly. So, um, Tony, let's get down to substitutions. A lot of people have asked Lacazette uh, off in the 70th minute. Um, and why is that? Easy a marquee uh, so, signing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, anyone that's listened to, to previous podcasts will know I've said very often about Lacazette's fitness and him not him being very good in the press, but that comes with his tolls that he can't do it for the 90 minutes. Um, I think that was part of the case yesterday, but also, and I don't know, he pressed very hard yesterday, so he did work very hard and he was tired, but also... I don't know what minute it was in because it's not in any of the highlights packages, but there was one time uh, towards the beginning of the second half where he was slid in and he went down, and it wasn't a foul by Davidson Sanchez. Um, he stayed down for a while, yeah. and after that, he never really sprinted again. Um, so I don't know, and I don't know if that was just fatigue or I don't think it was an injury because he was still moving, but it was just his work rate from that moment onwards just not completely went. I'm not going to say he was standing still, but it didn't have the same intensity that it did um, earlier in the game, which was very good. As a few people have touched on, I thought he was excellent in the first half. Um, but yeah, from that moment when he went down under the challenge of Davidson Sanchez, he wasn't the same. And there was a lot of people in the ground that were calling for uh, that were expecting Welbeck to come on. Um, not many people were surprised that Lacazette was coming off. I know you'd have watched it on TV and heard the boos, which are an absolute disgrace. And if you booed, there is something wrong with you. Anyone who's listening, I don't care if I'm insulting our listeners. You're a disgrace if you booed. Um, but I don't think it was that Lacazette was coming off because you could see that he was flagging. But it was um, more for the change of system and who was bringing on in, in Coughlin. It looked like a negative move. Um, just on that, I do agree that it wouldn't have been the sub I made. But when we've got our backs to the wall continuously because the press are always negative about us and we're 2-0 up in against our biggest rivals... And the game's still in the balance at that time. Yeah. Don't start getting on the players' backs or the managers' backs. Even if you don't agree with it, just go with it. There's no neg- there's no positive that came from booing Coughlin coming on. Yeah. Like, so that's where I am with the booing. That's why I think it's an absolute joke that people were booing at that time. It's like you boo when you win, you boo when you lose, you boo when we draw. Like, just just start booing before you turn up. You might as well because it doesn't seem to matter anymore. He's lost. Um, he's yeah, lost the fans, hasn't he? Though? Poor old Coughlin. He's um, he, you know, Shaq. We've always talked about Shaq has been the scapegoat, and he's he's lost a lot of fans. But but Coughlin, he's you know, along with El Nanny, he's also there. But to boo him like yeah, that, that's even, crazy. I don't think it was so much that it was Coughlin. I think it was just that. He took a midfielder. Um, he took a striker off for a midfielder. But I mean, anyone that's watched us more than once will know. We, like, I mean, we all knew that Sanchez was going to go up top. Ramsey was going to push forward. It wasn't like we decided, oh, we're now going to play without a striker. Mm. It was, and as I said, Sanchez can still press. He's fitter than Lacazette. 
and he, he did still press. He caused more problems in the last 20 minutes and when he was up front than he did when he was on the left. Mm. So it was just, I don't think it was so much a booing of Coughlin. I think it was just people were moaning because there was an attack coming off for, for a midfielder. I think anyone, like, besides Jack, who's pretty much not gonna, never going to get booed, I think anyone could have come on at that time, and they, in the, it was the substitution that was being booed, not who came on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, I mean, to go back to the question, uh, the reason Lacazette came off was a bit of fatigue, and, and I mean, he wasn't feeling 100%. He, he got a bit of a knock. It might have just been a knee to the fire and a bit of a dead leg or something, but he, he wasn't moving as freely after that incident um, when he went down under the challenge of uh, Sanchez. Yeah, OK. Um Carl, the other substitution, Awobi came on, Ozil went off. For me, I thought, when I seen that substitution, I thought, you know, we're 2-0 up. I, I can't remember the exact minute it was when Awobi came on. Um, but I thought, he, Wangers, he wants more. He could have uh, went defensive. Yeah, yeah he, he could have, but... I don't know if he wanted to over go overkill with it because he already brought on Cockle and he's actually going to sit about two centimetres ahead of the defensive line. So it's, I, I think it was a good change taken off Azil for Awobi. Um, he had some, he had some, uh, good flashes um, in terms of play. I remember that um, that shot maybe in the eighty plus minute. I can't can't remember where he had that shot on goal. Mm. Um, and obviously he. This this had been coming off the back of him scoring a brace for Nigeria against Argentina in the international break, so I think it was a good change. But yeah, I um, I, I see like a conflict in ideas here. The fact that you're bringing uh, bringing on defend a defensive minded player, then you're bringing on a an attacker. I I don't understand it going more for like a balance. I don't I don't know. It's it, it was a weird substitution, but I agree with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the 84th minute, and I, first thing I thought was 84, 84th minute, and he's, um, I looked and I went, oh, Wenger wants another goal here, so throw on a wavy. Um, yeah. Schwinn also, um, there was a couple of people talking about Mustafi offside. That, on that first goal, mate. What was your take on that? Yeah, shove it where the sun doesn't shine, right? <laughs> well, I, I looked mean, at it over and over again, and from look, and I could be wrong, but I'm going to be a bit biased. That ball had left the ground. See, uh, I'm not going to try and split hairs about whether it was offside or not. What I care about was was whether it was given or not. I mean. Two weeks ago, all we were told was play through the whistle, play mm. through the whistle. I mean, David Silva is a yard offside, and by a yard, I mean a mile fucking offside, and play through the whistle, play mm. through the whistle. That's all these pundits and, you know, these commentators could talk about. And now we're being slated and, you know, being told that you are marginally offside and that you didn't deserve the goal, perhaps, and, you know, what the game would have been if you hadn't scored and this and that. First of all, what a header. Uh, I think that was a better header than Morata's header against United, uh, which I think had a little more on the ball, a little more power on the ball. So Morata didn't have to do that much uh, to to whip that ball into the corner, which was a brilliant header. But mm. I think Mustafi, for being a for being a center half and not being an out and out striker, did a fantastic job to guide the ball into the net. Was he offside? Probably. Was he given? Fuck no. Mm. So I'm not going to complain with that. 
Similarly for the second goal, uh, again, I mean, a case could be made either way. And I always like to think of offsides as, would I be mad if it was given against my team? And yes, I would be. I'd probably be mad for, you know, the challenge that was, uh, that was waived as a foul and that got us the lead in the first place. But fuck you, man. I mean, uh, it's, it's, the, it's a derby day. You know, there are going to be tackles flying in. Refs are not going to be able to stay on top of, of the game. And credit to Mike Dean. I think he did a good job, especially after all the pressure that was on him in the build-up to the game. I think he managed the game well. And in reality, I think we got a few, few you know, gifts from him here and there. <laughs> which, uh, which doesn't come often. <laughs> yeah, they don't. And when they do, especially against uh, you know, the scum and it's Mike Dean, I mean, you know, you cherish it a little more. It's, it's a game that you'll probably remember for, for, for a fair bit. Mm. So uh, all I'll say to that is that, okay, sure, it was offside. It wasn't given, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Savvy, that, that Sanchez goal, mate, he really worked for that goal, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think he gave us all. Uh, I think it was brilliant bit of play by Hector Villarreal. Like I said, I think put a mm. good ball across, and then uh, Sanchez did everything in his power. I think, and mm. one time he lost the control of the ball, but uh, later on he just go- went on and scored. And I think uh, I have to mention. I think uh, I think not everybody saw that. I think uh, Ozil was crucial for that goal because. Uh, Ozil, with his clever movement, just took Vertonghen out of the game and Vertonghen just couldn't track Hector Bellerin's pass and Lacazette's run. So, I think it was a very clever movement by Mr. Ozil. That was... Yeah. um, Just on Sanchez, uh, that was probably the best game he's played all season. Yeah, this season. Or this this season, obviously this season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He really worked hard, didn't he? Yeah, I think uh, against Everton he was good, but he wasn't that good. I think he was uh, he was unstoppable yesterday, and he could have um, he could have had many more goals because he had many chances later on, Mm. but he just couldn't capitalize on it. But uh, he gave his all. It was a brilliant performance by him. And I only might mention that because the criticism that he did cop during the week, and I was watching a couple of people. Yeah. You know, they were just hammering him. We don't want him to start. He, he he's lost loyalty to the club. He doesn't want to be at the club. Um, and I'll touch on it with Tony in a minute about some dressing room drum with some bloody somebody. And and I thought, yeah. what the fuck is going on here? Like. And then he comes yeah. out, and I, I, I don't know what you rated him in your ratings, um, uh, but yeah, he'd, he'd be well up there. Yeah, I gave him an eight, and actually I was one of the people who didn't want him to start. But yeah, I was proven wrong, and I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and just I'd digress quickly, Tony, because I just mentioned it about this dressing room tiff or something with Sanchez. What was that? Uh, so, it was a training ground bust-up, and it was over-reported just because of the situation we were in with Sanchez at the moment. Honestly, training ground bust-ups happen at every club, probably one a week. Yeah. Because it, 20, say there's a squad of 22, we know there's not, like, we know there's more than that, but say it's a squad of 22, they're all competitive, they've all, all of their lives growing up been the best at what they do amongst their peers. So they're used to being good. They're used to always winning. 
And football is a contact sport. Even in training, they all play to win because it's all they've ever known. Yeah. I'm not saying they go around two-footing each other, but they still want to win. And we all know what it's like when you want to win something and someone fouls you, someone kicks you. There's nothing in it, but they're stopping you from winning. And these are yeah. highly motivated people. So training ground bust-ups happen non-stop. There's a few stories circulating about why it happened. Um, one that one is that he can, was continuously being fouled and moaning about it and Lehman told him to stop moaning and there was a bit of a bit of a, a square off. But again, if, if, if you feel like something's unjustly happening to you and you moan about it and someone's reply is stop moaning, then that's more annoying than anything. Mm. Um, the other one is that Sanchez wasn't tracking back. Look, I don't know which one of these stories is true, but training ground bust-ups happen, as I said, at least once a week at pretty much every club. Like you can see, you can go back and read interviews from the uh, from the Invincibles. They used to fall out all the time, but it was they fell out on the pitch and then they'd go and have lunch together. And I'd imagine that's what happened with with Sanchez and Lehman. But as I said, it's just been blown completely out of proportion. I remember one game in the Invincibles where we drew one one with Man United at home, and in the last minute, Loren went through one on one with a keeper, and he could have just squared it for Henri for a tap in, mm. and he shot. Keeper saved it, and Omri went ballistic at him. Mm. No, nothing was ever made of it. It was the game finished, and, and that was it. Shook hands so at that's, the end, and that's then... worse than a training ground bust up. That's an yeah. on the pitch bust on up. The and there was thirty eight thousand fans in the ground. It was on Sky Sports, or um, it was on TV channels all around the world. Mm. So there was millions and millions of viewers, and nothing was ever made of it. But just because of the situation we're in at the moment with Sanchez, it's like it was blown out to be he'd walked in and pissed on all of the other players' breakfast. Yeah, no, it was odd. Um, what would you rate the Sanchez performance this week? Oh, he was very good. It was it's, it's definitely the best. Um, you were discussing before, but it's definitely the best he's played this season by an absolute margin. Mm. Um, he didn't. I mean, maybe he was someone may be able to drag up stats, and he was, but he didn't seem as wasteful as normal. He didn't seem to lose the ball as much. Um, his running was. Um, as it always is to be fair, but he, I mean, he, he he didn't he wasn't only running when he was in the screenshot, which he tends to do a lot. He, he literally put in a shift, um, <laughs> and also there's one time. We were what do you mean? Up. What do you mean running when he's in the screenshot? <laughs> because everyone seems to think he works hard, but you look at his running stats at the end of every game, and he's nowhere near the top. Actually, so I can only there. assume that they what they show on. He knows when the camera's on him, and he starts running. Because, <laughs> There's this there's this opinion that he's the hardest working player in the world, and trust me, he's not. He's not. Yeah. Um, and you only have to look at stats to back that up. If someone's running 12 miles a game and he's running eight, it's not because he's running the most. Like his, his numbers are nowhere near what anyone else's are. Um, but you know, yesterday he was literally all action, but he actually played quite intelligently as well. There was there was one time, and it won't be shown, but. Um, we had the ball down the right and Kolasinac absolutely bombed forward and he was our furthest player forward and we was 2-0 up but it was at the time maybe around the 60th minute when it was a bit tight if Tottenham score next then it's a dangerous game and Sanchez went absolutely ballistic at him saying what are you doing here get back mm. we're 2-0 we, up we need to look after this game for 10 minutes the game management was excellent and that's sort of the sort of stuff he usually goes oh well done you're helping me attacking he usually it seems like he doesn't care about the team he cares about his own performance but yesterday I felt like he put in a real team performance. Still going to go in January? Uh, I don't know. I've never been sure of it because yeah, I still think he'll go to City, which means he won't go in January. Um, yeah. But 
I, I don't know. As I said, I, I've never really thought he would just because I can't see anyone paying for him mm. when they know they can get him for free in January. I mean, in, in the summer. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the club tried to sell him in, in January because he is going to go. Um, but I don't, I don't think he will unless... Uh, I just don't think he will. Mm-hmm. I can't see any way where it makes sense for him because City ain't, aren't going to pay money knowing full well that he's agreed to join them in the summer. Uh, and PSG, people were saying like, oh, well, PSG might offer money in to try and get there before Man City. But people got to remember PSG are legally allowed to talk to him in, in January. So if they want to do one over on, on uh, Man City... They can do it just by talking to him and saying, Man City are offering you X amount, we'll offer you X amount more. Um, so I, I can't see a logical way that he would go in like, any way that makes sense for him to leave in January. I'll come back to it because I want to discuss about the um, more in depth with that with you on the Sanchez, but we'll just wrap up this Spurs game quickly. Who was your man of the match? Mustafi. Mustafi. Carl, who was your man of the match? Uh, I'm going to go with Lauren Koscielny. Schwinn? Harry Kane. Fuck it, but here I am. Savvy? Ozil. Ozil. I'm going to go with uh, Shaka. <laughs> no, 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 Trust you to go. Not even, not even close. No, I, I, look, I, uh, hard to say. Look, but I, Ozil was good, and I, I, Sanchez, I think he was really good. He got the goal, he, and he looked like he wanted to yeah. play for the team. So I'm going to go Sanchez. Um, Tottenham fans would be saying it's Mike Dean. Yes, <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> so we got a couple of questions from the followers. So we'll just run through this because a few of them are um, about the game as well. So there will be mixed ones, but we'll start with Tony. Is Ozil going to sign a new contract? And who is our replacement for Lexus? And that was from Stan Cronky himself. Um, I do not think he will sign a new contract Uh, there's been four offers we've made Uh, the first two didn't even get a response this is is going back 18 or so months Um, a year to 18 months Uh, I don't we're not going to improve our offer we've made an offer that would make him our highest ever paid player by an absolute margin Mm. Um, prior to Lacazette he would have been double what our highest ever owner earned is the offer on the table for Meza Ozil. Um, and we ain't going to improve on that. If he's not signed that yet, when it's been on the table for a long, long time, he's not just going to wake up one day and go, yeah, I fancy signing that now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I mean, there's nothing, there's no, if he would have signed, he would have done it because we're not going to get any better on, on what we're offering. Do you, um, ra- do you rate him for big money? Like, what, just, what would you, you know, say you're in charge. What are you paying? What do you rate him at? See, this is where football gets very difficult because say he's, I don't know, I don't want to get a backlash from the viewers, but say he's on the top, he's the, in the top 30 footballers in the world. Every one of, there's more than 30 players that are on over 200 grand a week. So if you put him in that bracket, then you have to say he has to earn that. Hmm. 
you, I mean, yeah, you can say, oh, you've got to take into situation the clubs, the club he's at. Or, I mean, look, there's two ways you can look at it. Neymar's on reportedly 600 grand a week. Is he half the player Neymar is or better? Yes. So then on that case, you go, okay, he's worth at least 300 grand a week. Mm. On the opposite side, you could go, Harry Kane is reportedly on 70 grand a week. Is he four times the player Harry Kane is? No, he's not. So you always go on. It's like, how do you judge? I think 250 to 300 in the current market is a very, very fair and good I would probably say a bit over the top for, for Ozil. Not, and I, look, I love the guy, but... I... <laughs> hey, puppy. Yeah, look. You, and... <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. <laughs> and you um, referred to um, Harry Kane now. I think I got the answer that Tottenham are just cheapskates if he's on that. Yeah, but, I mean, that, as I said, you can, you've got to... Um... I did my dog out barking, by the way. Um, you've got to, um, you've got to, as I said, it's all, it's all relative, and that's what people look at. They say that, and Tottenham, they've got, they've got a wage structure, and they stick to it. They're going to lose Deli Ali because of that wage structure in the summer. But, um, yeah, so as, as I was going to with Ozil, it's difficult. Um, but I think 250 to 300 is a very fair offer for him. If I was him, I'd sign it. But if he's been offered 400 elsewhere and he thinks he's got more chance of winning trophies there, then he's going to go with that. So mm-hmm. it's difficult, and I think been fair all the way through and, and made probably what I would say is an, an ex, not excessive but over the top offer and he's still not signed it however many three four five months on so if he's not signed it yet as I said he's not going to just wake up tomorrow morning and go actually that is a good offer that's a good offer he obviously knows he can get elsewhere mm. and Barcelona president come out and said I'll pay you what what um what you want I don't know what truth's in that either but some well, that's the other thing because he's going to go on a free if because he goes obviously it would be a free transfer the sign-on fee would be gigantic because mm-hmm. they know that, say again, say he's a £50 million player. In the current market, he's, he's more than that, but let's say he's a £50 million player. They know that they're, they're getting away with not paying that fee. So to pay him a £10 million signing-on bonus, they're still only paying a fifth of his value. So, so financially, it makes no sense for him to stay. The only, uh, if he loves London, if he loves the club, if he thinks we're going places, they're the only things that could make him stay. He may love London, but he may also love any other city he moves to. Mm. Um, are we going places? Maybe, probably not, but maybe. But are we going the same places that Barcelona are going or or any other team get Bayern Munich? Probably not. So mm. I, I would be the only thing that could make him stay is if he just loves the life in London and, and where and he enjoys being at the club. And he may do, but he, he may prefer being elsewhere. And the other side of the question was, who is our replacement for Alexis? Difficult one. Um, uh, there's been names branded about. We can all say who we prefer, but like the, 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 there's been Insigne, it's been branded about, Fakir's been branded about. You, you've been an advocate of Mahrez, though, haven't you? Was that replacement for Alexis? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Riyad Mahrez. I don't think he'd be a Sanchez replacement, though, because he plays on the other side of the pitch. Mm. Um, and he can't play on that the pitch. Um, I think he would also be a cheap option, but he may be a bit more. He's a bit more tried and tested than someone who's been excellent elsewhere. Like, say Insigne. From what I've seen, he's very good. But Italians don't tend to transition too well to the Premier League. For every Zola, like someone will come and say, "Oh, Zola didn't do bad," but then oh. you could name five others that didn't do well. Yeah, I agree, uh, I agree me, with I that. Be three as Mertens, but I, I don't think it'll be it'll happen. So who's the replacement for him? The, the, 
anyone can brand names about, but mm. I have no idea what the club are thinking. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, I'd ask you who was who'd be a light light replacement, but I couldn't even. It'd be a hard one too, wouldn't it? As I said, we can look. There's names. There's there's loads mm. of players you could put out there as a as a player that contributes goals and assists as Alexis does, but you're just right, listing the name of players right. for the sake. Yeah. Like you're literally just saying, like you're just reading out names. There's no, yeah, there's no to substance it. to anything. There's no, oh, we're nearly there. We're we're here. That's just mm. we're just listing the name of players. And I don't think anyone really wants to listen to that. No, okay. Well, let's move on from that. Um, Carl, mm-hmm. uh, Kieran, and thanks, Kieran. This is your question. Can we play like that against United and Liverpool? If Jack was fit next week, would you start him? So they're obviously referring to the Spurs game. Um, in my opinion, if Ramsey and Jaka, Alexis and Ozil play the way they did against Spurs, I don't see Wilshere getting into the team. As much as I love the guy, I think if Ramsey plays um, how he did with Xhaka, he actually didn't play as a third, uh, as a second striker as I thought he would. He actually stayed in the regimented position. He wasn't allowed to, you know, go on free roam. If he's if he plays like he did like that against like Liverpool and United, as you say, um, I don't see Wilshere starting them games. I think everyone played amazing. And uh, as to whether they can play again, like that against Liverpool and City, uh, or not City, Liverpool and United, I think I think we can. I think we can, but um, it all depends on how fired up the team is, what the team talk is that they get on the day. And... Uh, I know it's the North London derby, so they had a lot more pressure on them because they were coming into it as arguably underdogs. And and this might be the same thing against United, but we've got to come in with that same mentality. And while I question that might happen, I think that it can happen if we kick on from now. It's very hard to um, slot anybody else in that team that just beat the Spurs. No, I, th- I think with the right mentality like we had yesterday, I think it's an, un- it's an unbeatable team. But it's just our mentality that's always been one of our stumbling blocks, one of our major flaws. You know, and, and I hate to say this, but we're likely to come up against Burnley and fucking Alexis or Ozil or bloody Ramsey or Shaka or, you know, only takes one or two to play like a busted ass, and we, we end up bloody getting a draw in the game that we should have won. Yeah, and this is the thing. Burnley have been playing very well this season, and yeah. they a lot a lot of times against the big teams they play counter attacking football. And if Ramsey's left uh, up front with Lacazette for, for no no uh, plausible reason at all, then we're going to get punished. Mm. And it's just a, I as I said, it's one of our major flaws. Our mentality is a club. We've got to always come in thinking that we've got to give a hundred and ten percent, just like we did yesterday. And uh, yeah, so if we if we do that, then sure we'll. I I dare say that we'll we'll definitely be in the top four if we keep on giving that same mentality because I don't think no one's catching Man City now, so I can't really say we're going to challenge for the title. But I think if we definitely adopt that mentality, then uh, sure, I think we'll definitely get in the top four. But it's a case of uh, maintaining it. It's uh, consistency is key. Mm-hmm. Um, Schwinn, so man like Dan. I think, and we touched on an amazing atmosphere. Players were immersed. Hard to pick a man of the match. Alexis Ozil showed that they still give 100%. Just fantastic club. The fans 
what has gone on with the contracts, ownership, etc. Needed this. But my question is, I oh, think fuck he was getting to his question. <laughs> um, does does Wenger persist with subbing Lacazette? <laughs> Thanks, man, like that. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's an evolutionary thing. I think Lacazette is growing in stature. Uh, uh, he's 90% there, I would say. Uh, of course, he was away on international duty as well. And I think he played uh, uh, the full 90, if I'm not wrong, against Germany, which was the second game of, of the break. So he didn't. He was not as rested as some of the other players. But, yeah, I mean, he had a couple of knocks. I mean, early on in the game when uh, Hector put a ball in and he got sandwiched between Vertonghen and Sanchez. And then followed by the, the point that Tony made that he again got clattered by by Davidson Sanchez in the second half early in the second half so he he had picked up a couple of knocks and you know he was working really hard I mean our, our defensive positioning and our, our patience yesterday in terms of when to press and the triggers as Lee Dixon talked about uh before the international break uh those things were quite on point yesterday we we did a good job I felt defensively and it started from the front, and of course he, you know, he's he's a leading man in that line. So there are times when he is the one instigating, and you know, his teammates might follow, might not follow. So I, I can see why these things are done, uh, especially if you're taking him off and bringing on a midfielder. Then it's nothing to do against Lacazette, but it's in order to secure the game. Uh, so you know, it's not as if he's being taken off for Welbeck or for Giroud because he's not providing enough up front. You know, it was a, it was a switch in strategy. So I can see why Wenger would persist with that till the time Lacazette is completely fit uh, to the point where he can play three games in a week because that is what we'll expect from him in the near future. We have you know the advantage of Europa League right now, but <clears throat> come next year if we have Champions League. Players like him will be playing three games in a week, and we need him to get get to those levels. So I can I can see Wenger continuing with that for now, and especially in this busy Christmas period. But it's it's the it's better it's better for Lacazette to to go that way if we are in the lead and if we are secure, because I do not want him to to be getting exhausted and worse to be getting injured, and that's when it happens when fatigue creeps in. I, I get what he's coming because I'll just read he's. he's rattled off a second part of his question uh, with two games he was benched for and mostly being subbed around the 70th minute he has almost he's missed close to three hours of football he's our record signing and he said I don't get it and I have to agree with man like Dan because I don't get it either see uh, again I don't argue with points hmm. if we had if we had taken Lacazette off and this sub had backfired because I didn't think we needed extra players in midfield, but I could see why Wenger was doing it. You know, I mean, when Coquelin came on, he was he was following the game for a bit. You know, he was getting beat on the turn by Dembele and this and that, and it, it, we didn't seem more secure in midfield. But then I think after a couple of minutes, Coquelin sat back and he was he was letting players dribble up to him, uh, and I think that's when we got a little more bolstered in midfield. So I, I, I get it. You know, we want to watch our strikers, uh, especially <clears throat> Lacazette, who's new at the club, to just be playing on the shoulder of the last defender, especially when, you know, spunts are going all the way, uh, attack and uh, sending bodies forward. That is when strikers, you know, get more chances. So I, I understand that and I understand the, the emotion there. But points, mm. bragging rights, that so, is what we went in to do and that is what we did. So I'm not going to argue with any of the man management uh, as of yesterday.
So tactics, really. We were two goals up. He's um, time to come off. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, simply put, I think it was good man management from Wenger yesterday. We slayed him all the time for, for stuff like that. But when it works, you know, you you got to hand it up to him. Don't look for, you know, don't look to be hypercritical every now and then. It's good to look into where we missed out, but enjoy the victory, lads. Mm. We earned this one. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Savvy... Yeah. A question here for you, and I'm just, yeah, it's not a bad, uh, so MAA Gaming again, why is Mustafi yeah. a, uh, well basically he's a, he's a champion in one game and he's a liability in the next? Yeah, uh, I kind of agree to that if we look at, uh, if you look at the last season, but this season I think uh, he has been good in every game. Because uh, uh, I remember the Chelsea game. I think uh, he nullified Morata whole game. Uh, he dominated Morata. Then uh, yesterday he dominated Harry Kane. Actually dominated everything in, uh, defensively yesterday. Uh, scored the goal. And I think uh, this season whenever he has played in the Premier League, we have won the game. Or, or at least drawn the game. So I think this season uh, that criticism doesn't make sense. But uh, if we look at last season, then uh, you can say that he was uh, brilliant in one game and then really off it in another. But I think this season he has been very good. And when he has not been there, we have missed him, clearly missed him, because clearly he's one of the best defenders we have. And he showed that yesterday. I'm just going to add, add on to that too. And we've spoke about it in previous podcasts. <coughs> He was a he was a not so much a desperate buy, but he was a, a player that we paid overs for, and his expectations yeah. are up so high because we paid a high fee for him that people think that he's some legend defender. I, I look, people may disagree with me, but he's not he's not the defender that we paid the money for. Um, I was waiting for somebody and, I mean, to jump let's in on not that. Forget that he... <laughs> I mean, let's not forget that he doesn't want to be there. You know, I mean, that's he, right. He's yeah, got he, a newborn, get, newborn yeah. child. Yeah, his wife, I think, lives in Milan with his, uh, with her mom. So he's away from family, and it can be hard. Uh, and as you said, that you know, I don't think it was a, a Wenger purchase. It was. It seemed more like a stats DNA purchase from from the sounds of it. Um, you know, from Ashburton mm-hmm. Grove. But I mean, you know, when you can leave all that out and you can just focus on the club, that's what you expect from these professionals. And Mustafi was on point yesterday. Every oh, slight challenge, yeah. every block, yeah. he was immense. But that's what Mustafi is. He's a good, he's a good, good player. Occasionally, he's not a star player like. Uh, and I'm trying to think who to compare because you, you're just saying to pay overs for all these um, defenders at the moment. Like, so I can't really compare to a Stones or something. But um, he's not. He's not what we paid for. Him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, uh, th- that's the. I mean, but at the same time, I would I would say that that's you know just the golfing class between Premier League revenue and any other revenue. I mean, whenever a player is coming to the Premier League from from the outside, you know there's going to be a premium attached to it. Mm. So you know, uh, rewind to ten years ago, if a player of Mustafi's caliber is being brought in that at that point, he probably cost you know thirty percent less. So maybe twenty million instead of thirty million. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, price. I mean, we discussed that Lamar price tag, right? Ninety oh. million. Like, what the hell was all that about? Yeah, yeah. So it's price. very situational. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it depends on when the transfer is being conducted and this and that. 
But when you put in a performance like that and you are on track to prove your worth, by all means, my child, play away and kick ass. Yeah, and, and you touched on Lamar, and, and I'd be happy for Lamar to come. But would I be happy for $100 million? No, absolutely no. not. <laughs> and, and not saying it's, it's not my money, I don't really care. But the pressure that that, that bloke would have on him to perform every single week, um, you're comparing Lamar to a Neymar. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that'd be, that'd be crazy. Um, yeah. Tony... Any more, uh, Adam asked the message, question, uh, any more depth on the apparent takeover bid? I don't want to get my hopes up. I need some confirmation. Um, so just for the people that don't follow us on Twitter or don't have Twitter at all, uh, there's been a lot of talk going around um, about something happening at board level with a potential takeover um, and... This is what the question's about. Um, so there is stuff going on behind the scenes. I spoke to someone who is connected with the potential bidding parties uh, yesterday after the game. And uh, he told me that they are very aggressively trying to get the control and share of the club. Um, the story will break in the press in the next few weeks, I imagine. Um, but... Uh, I mean, I can say the names now because other people on Twitter seem to have decided to break it, even though they've been told not to. Um, the, um, a, a combination of Omri Usmanov and Matthew Flamini are looking to take control and share of the club from Stan Kroenke. Um, the reason we were told not to say anything is this isn't a transfer that can just happen in a few days. You make a bid, you agree a contract and sign and, and have a medical uh, this is a long, long process. So this could be a year, two years down the line. And um, so us saying it now is only going to get someone saying a month, well, you said this was going to happen and it hasn't. Mm. But um, it's just beating the press to it. Um, talks are happening. Um, my personal opinion is until Kronke is confirmed as a major venue for the LA Olympics in 2028, um, he will not entertain selling his shares, but I am told the numbers involved are stupidly high and massively overvalue the club. Um, I don't really want to go too much into it because I've been told this in confidence and what I've said now is only what's already out there. There is quite a bit more to it, but um, once it's out there in the press or, or it's been made public knowledge from somewhere, I can elaborate a lot more. But, but um, I don't want to potentially upset someone that, um, that trusts me. So and That's that's fine, uh, mate. Um, I, look, and I think you touched on it well, so we'll leave it at that. And, um, look, all we can say is watch this space, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Carl, so thoughts on this, mate, and M I keep fucking that name up, MAA Gaming, <laughs> fuck, um, <laughs> thought, <laughs> uh, thoughts on this, mate, Europa League team for remaining group games, he wants to play 3-5-2, Espina per holding Debucci, holding Mids, Maitland, Miles Willock, <laughs> uh, Jack, uh. Jack uh, left mid, right mid, Awabi Walcott, 
He wants Eddie at striker with Nelson. Uh, I can yeah, go that, back, I can go back through that if you want, but the main key yeah, was Willock. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's it sounds like a good game. Uh, or not good game. What a good uh, good team, and it, it, it'd be good for games, should I say? But um, if uh, people, I don't I don't know if uh, NWA Gaming wants Jack back in the first team. But if you if you wanted him to come back into the first team, you wouldn't want him starting the remaining Europa League games. Mm. I mean, we're we're all we're already through. Um, there's obviously we want to keep on winning. We want to win our remaining games because uh, that'll give us the flawless record in the group in the group stages. How prestigious that is in the Europa League. Eh? But um, I think that that team is still a a bit too heavy for remaining games I mean it's like the Champions League um, when we used to be in it we used to take our foot off the gas if we were already qualified and uh, yeah this team's a little bit more stripped down than what we've been playing before but uh, yeah the likes of Wilshire I wouldn't be playing Um, yeah Nelson I'd like to see in a more attacking position so I don't know about Iwobi I think I'd keep him to subs bench for first team games but what do you think um, about the formation? Three, five, two. So, so say, say again. Who who was he suggesting up front? Uh, and yeah, and Nelson. Hmm, that's such a good idea. Yeah, I rate <laughs> I, I, I I rate that team. Um, just the only two people I have uh, problems with being in that team are Wilshire and <laughs> and Willock. Mr. Willock, yeah. <laughs> so can I just uh, can I just butt in because when I read this question, I yep. just I, I actually typed out a long answer and then thought I'll leave it for the podcast. Yeah, mate. Um, I somewhat agree with what Carl's saying, but I also have a reservation about it. In that, I want Jack in the first team as much as anyone. I think everyone's pretty clear on that. But you can't bring someone into the team who's had no minutes. So if you go, we're going to play Europa League on Thursday, and then we're probably going to say we're the same team as yesterday on Sunday. So then you look forward to the next game, which is Huddersfield on the 29th. So he could potentially play in that. But if he doesn't play in the Europa League, that means he wouldn't have kicked the ball since November the 5th against Man City when he got 10 minutes once we were already 3-1 down. So it would have been nearly a month without him playing a competitive, like kicking a ball competitively. Um the same can be said for quite a few other players. Um, again, Iwobi was one that you mentioned. Yeah, um, again, the same thing. He wouldn't have been playing football. Um, Welbeck will play on Thursday because he's not had minutes. Um, and the same, I don't know if Giroud's going to be back fit, but Giroud has to play in, in the Europa League because otherwise when he does eventually play or when he does come on the sub, he's going to have had no competitive football. Yeah. I mean, had Giroud not played in the Europa League thus far, he would have played about half an hour so far this season and it's it's near in December um, in terms of MAA Gaming's uh, team he put out I think it's uh, uh, the back four like the three centre-backs and the keepers fine uh, but one of the issues is he's got Willock and Maitland-Niles in holding midfield and obviously Nelson up front Nelson's not a striker so that bit I just completely disagree with but the problem with Maitland-Niles is he is now essentially our second choice left wing back Um and it's the only way he's at the moment. The only chance he has of breaking into the first team, and the same with Reese Nelson, is at wing back. So you're not doing them long, like short term. You're not doing them any favors by playing them in their preferred position, which I know sounds stupid, but 
at the moment, the only way either of them are going to get any Premier League minutes or first team minutes is in them wing back positions. So you have to play them there. Mm. What about the now? There's pressure on Eddie. We know he's good, but you know he got them a couple of goals. But is the pressure starting to you know the people expectations getting a bit too much here? I mean, I think so. But as I said, you put you put Giroud and Welbeck back in that team. Who, as I said, Welbeck will have to play on Thursday, and I don't know if Giroud's fit. If he is fit, he will play. Um, and then suddenly, yeah, Eddie yeah. drops out of that team, and he's back on the bench, which is probably where he should be now on the bench in the Europa League. But look, don't get confused. No one had heard of him. Like people will say, oh, I'd seen him play in the youth team. But let's be honest, no one had seen him kick a ball in anger until he came on with ten minutes to go in the Norwich game, and now suddenly they want him. They want him starting up front. They want yeah. to give him the number nine. So it's, I think people are going over the top. But as I said, that team, the, the MWA game is listed. You put Drew and Welbeck in there and Eddie drops back to the bench, which is, as I said, where he, what level he's at at the moment, on the bench in the Europa League. He was on the, before the Norwich game, he came on against, I think it was Barté, when we won away at Barté. He came on from the bench for the last 10 minutes. He's, he's at that sort of level. He's young, give him a few first team minutes to get him into it. But, don't put him in against fresh first-team defenders. And let's not forget, Cologne came fourth or fifth in the Bundesliga last year. They're not, a, they're not a joke. I know they're not performing well at the moment, but they're not a, they're not a joke of a team with farmer centre-backs. These are, these are good players that will, if, if they've got a kid in their sights, they'll let him know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Um, well, that's about it for the questions. So we'll go on to look quickly. We'll go through the Cologne game. Um, because Tony did mention what he thought of the starting lineup. What about Schwinn? What do you what you wrote below, mate? Yeah, uh, I mean that that starting lineup that MWA Gaming uh, is is proposing is uh, is one for the future. I mean, I know there's some players in there who are quite old, like Debushi and Marty Sacco, but in terms of uh, the, the attack, there, there's there's a lot that that needs to be done there. I mean. Yes, Anketia came on and you know had a special day, but he's nowhere close to starting. Uh, especially when you know you look at the pecking order and you have the likes of Shiru and Welbeck, as Tony mentioned. So there's some substantial changes to be made there. I think we'll see our second squad, as I like to call it. Uh, probably won't see any one feature from the first team, barring any injuries to our reserve squad. So I think it's going to be pretty straight up. We can expect Welbeck to feature. Um, I would expect him to start. Um, but depending on his recovery, he might just uh, have a cameo to play. Expect Jack to get uh, some minutes under his belt. Wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if he finishes the full game. Uh, it will be uh, in there. Nelson uh, at, as right wing back. Michael Niles at left wing back. Coughlin, Elneny in midfield, maybe. Uh, so I think we, could, we could have some good numbers coming back from injury. Um, and we'll have some good squad depth for that game. And we can expect most players from our first team to to take the day off. Easy win? Should be. Um, I don't know if it's going to be easy. I mean, uh, you know, when when Arsenal come knocking at your door, uh, it's a it's a big game for a lot of these clubs. Uh, you know, I mean, we saw what the Cologne fans did um, did in London uh, when they when they came to play at the Emirates. So uh, we can expect some pressure. We can expect a good atmosphere. Uh, we don't necessarily need the win, if, I, if I'm Yeah, if I'm I just wrong. was trying to look at that in the group. Are we through now, or...? 
think a draw would put us through. Yeah. No, we're already through because the other two teams are playing each other. But we um, we need either one or three points to win the group. I think a draw wins us a group, but we're already through. We're already through. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that's not a tall order. I mean, we obviously have to finish top of the group. So. Uh, I mean, we need to get those points, and we we ought to get those points. So I mean, it shouldn't be a big deal. I think it's a it's a good fixture in terms of when it's being held because you know uh, it, you get us some some uh, get our um, get our squad some minutes, uh, which has been a while because we haven't played our second team in a minute. But yeah, uh, should expect some some good good passing, some good movement. Uh, expect a few players back and expect the points. No worries, thank you. And Savvy, do you want to add anything on to that, Mark? Yeah, uh, I think I would like to see Callum Chambers starting because uh, I think he's yeah because I think uh, he's the one who can put uh, pressure on the first team defenders uh, for a place in a first Premier first team that plays in the Premier League, and he's coming back from injury. Uh, he he needs some minutes, and then I think Ospina is not. Uh, yet fit, so I think Macy will be starting the game, and uh, then yeah, he's been back. They... He was on the bench yesterday. Yeah, he was on the bench. Okay, he's back. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, so then obviously he starts. So uh, <clears throat> then then yeah, uh, I'll go with Giro if he's fit. Then uh, Welbeck should be starting because he needs minutes, but uh, it could be Wobi because Welbeck could uh, could be. Uh, in contention to start in the Premier League. Uh, otherwise, yeah, Theo plays uh, the lineup from our last game. Uh, that is good enough to win the game. Mm, okay, um, Tony. I said we'll come back to this Sanchez thing because I just want to. There's a bit of mixed reports going around. Um, he goes in January, he stays for free. Uh, there's other things where he could negotiate some type of little contract for a loyalty. Thing or something. Um, what's what's this whole saga with him? Like he he goes for free, or uh, I asked you a question during the week about it. Um, In terms I, of the, the the legality of it, yeah, yeah. The the, the okay. So all the laws think, and stuff around it. You know, like can he talk to other clubs? Can he talk yeah. to only English uh, non English clubs and things? Yeah, so um, I'll just run through it quickly. Obviously, you asked me the question during the week, so I know what you're talking about. Um, I'm not sure how well it's reported outside of England. The FA have a rule that um, if a player has less than six months remaining on their contract, all contract ends end on June the 1st, even though the season may end in May or April for lower league clubs. Uh, the contract ends on June the 1st. So the FA rule is if a player is in the last six months of his contract, he can talk to a player that's registered for another governing body, i.e. not under the FA. Uh, anywhere else in the world, they're free to talk to anyone. So in La Liga, uh, if, say, Cristiano Ronaldo's contract has less than six months to run, he can talk to Barcelona. That's mm-hmm. fine. In England, it's not the case. You're not allowed to speak to someone that's registered under the same governing body. Um, so in specific with the Sanchez situation, come January the 1st, he will be allowed to talk to anyone who is not registered with the FA. So he can't speak to Man City, but he could speak to Barcelona. Um, anyone that follows us on Twitter will have seen a few weeks ago, I said I wouldn't be surprised if he talked to New York City or Melbourne City in January. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got confused and saying, oh, he's never going to sign for them. What are you on about? You don't know what you're talking about. I'll just leave it to Brew, who owns them clubs, mm. 
Sheikh Mansour. Who owns Man City? Sheikh Mansour. So it's a way of getting around the negotiation. So they can tell him in January, we will offer you this much. They can literally tell him the exact contract he would be signing. Oh, so they, can can talk, get... they can talk to him through, what, New York City or something? Yeah, so, look, in, in terms of all legality, it's only New York City that are talking to him. Yeah. But a little nudge and a wink, mm. it goes a long way. Um, so, otherwise, what could potentially happen in terms of the legality is that PSG could say, we'll give you 300 grand a week if you sign in the summer. And he could actually agree and sign that contract. And, and at that time, it's legally binding. Yeah. Um, but... Man City may have been prepared to offer 400, but legal, legally he wouldn't have been able to talk to them. So he, he no, Don't get me wrong, it happens. He, he already knows what Man City are willing to offer him, but mm. by the laws of the game, um, he would he could sign because he might think, oh, PSG are offering 300, I might not get that elsewhere. elsewhere. Mm. Whereas if he potentially talks to New York City, they could say, well, we'll offer you 400, and he can get in a bidding war. But, mm. okay. um, yeah, so the, simpli- the simplicity of it is he can talk to foreign clubs from January the 1st, um, and but he cannot speak to a British or an English club until June the first, when he is officially out of contract and unemployed. Right. Okay. No worries. Thank you for clearing that up. Um, you watch any other games? Uh, I have only seen the highlights of other games because I was too busy running around London drinking whatever they would <laughs> let me in terms of alcohol after the game. Yep. Um, so I have seen the highlights of all of the other games, but not really much in depth. And I don't, I mean, from, there was nothing, there was no major game. We was the major game. Yeah. But there was yeah. other decent performances. I think from what I've seen, Chelsea done well. Um, Liverpool got a, a, a routine, not a routine win. South it's always, any, any, league, any win in the Premier League is a good win, mm. um, especially if it's comfortable. So Liverpool, Chelsea, to an extent, United, even coming from 1-0 down, they got a good win. Um, but yeah, I don't think, Oh, actually, one thing I do want to pick up on, how Vincent Company wasn't sent off, I will never, ever, 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 ever know. Um, I didn't say that. Huh? I didn't Absolute say that. bollocks. Was it? No. Oh, yeah, it was, if it, had happened, it happened after two minutes. I think if it happened after 22 minutes, there's is no doubt he's walking. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, I don't think there was much to talk out, uh, speak about. Obviously, other people are going to have their opinions of games, and they might have seen the whole 90 minutes of some games. But mm. from what I saw, it was pretty much a, a routine weekend with the big teams winning, doing so pretty comfortably. And, yeah, the only thing I can really think to talk about is company should have been sent off, and you can't really elaborate too much on that. He should have been sent off. I'll just quit, make quick mention, because I didn't watch many games at all, but I, I did catch a little bit of the Bournemouth-Huddersfield game. It was a bit of a shock for me, 4-0. I, I, you know, Bournemouth, I thought that was a good win. Solid win by them, but, yeah. Um, Williams, I think he got a hat-trick. In that yeah, game. Wilson. So, yeah, Wilson, sorry, not Williams. Um, yeah, Wilson yeah. Got, a, got a hat-trick, so that was good. He was in my fantasy team last week, and then I dumped him. Fucking, that'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Always the fucking way. <laughs> uh, Carl, did you get a chance to see anything, mate? Uh, no, but I want to quickly talk about um, Manchester United and the fact that they've got Pogba and Ibrahimovic back. Mm. And um, the fact that Pogba got a goal and an assist yesterday, I think they can, they may be able to go back to the form that they experienced at the start of the season because he was one of their main main, uh, main players there. Mm. And um, the fact that they've got both Pogba and Ibrahimovic back, I think they might be able to kick on uh, now and start racking some wins together, which is... Uh, which is a worry. Which is kind of, yeah, it's a mm. bit of a worry. But um, 
the mighty Arsenal will beat them when we uh, when we face them later this season. That's the spirit, son. Um, <laughs> Schwinn. <laughs> yeah, uh, on, on the United game, uh, I have to say that Pogba goal was all Rashford. Uh, the ball that was played into him, he played a beautiful cushioned header right in the middle of Pogba's path, uh, which was an easy tap-in. Uh, Pogba's assist for Martial's goal was bang on, on point. He put Isaac Hayden on toast and had him for breakfast for a week. Um <laughs> uh, so that was that was quite um, quite the spectacular uh, chipped ball into the box that Martial attacked well. Uh, my, my my highlight from from that game was actually after the game when uh, Pogba and Zlatan were being interviewed and uh, Zlatan was being asked about his immense recovery in you know just about seven months, which at the age of thirty five just blows my mind. You know that you come back from an ACL. Uh, in seven months when it usually takes players who are still, you know, in in their peak up to nine to 12 months. So it just speaks to Zlatan's Mm. professionalism and, you know, his his work ethic. But he was asked how he felt about coming back from injury. And he said that it doesn't surprise me because, you know, I'm I'm a lion and I'm not a human being. Uh, But it just shows, you know, it gives you a little bit more insight if you don't know enough about Zlatan that he's, he's a warrior and, it, it's just special to to witness him. You know, he's. He, I would put him in that category as as a Messi or as a Ronaldo. Not in terms of quality, perhaps, arguably, but as a spectacle. You know, mm-hmm. as someone who tunes in as a neutral, you cannot doubt his quality and his work ethic. And it's incredible what he's done for for the sport. Did um, he look? Did he look well? When, did he look good when he came on? Or? He d- he didn't look convincing. I, I'd leave it at that. Uh, yeah. He was his oh, experience first game back showed, in a long time, but yeah. Yeah, and his experience showed. I mean, you don't expect him to be lunging in for, you know, for some tackles or whatnot. He did try a scissor kick, uh, I would say, or, or which uh, which required a save. But there <laughs> yeah. were a couple of instances when the ball was lobbed a little, you know, a little behind him. And instead of stretching for it, he just let it go. I mean, they were 4-1 yeah, okay. up. Uh, it, he didn't really need to pull strings and, you know, do the, do the spectacular. Yeah. But he he was he was confident. He was sure of what was required, what wasn't. He played in a deeper role for a second, uh, just to, you know to get into get into the game. Even though he was playing as striker, because he sent Lukaku to the right wing. Uh, but it was it's just good to have him back. You know, mm-hmm. in, in the Premier League, he's he's a phenomenal player. Uh, but other than that, I didn't really pay attention to a lot of games. Uh, I, I know Alvaro Morata had a pretty good game uh, at the Hawthorns. Uh, even uh, Azard was pretty on point on that game as well. Marcus Alonso had a had a silly finish from an absolute no angle, if that makes sense. Um, Liverpool again with the easy points, and uh, I think everyone but uh, but the scum, um, you know, just moved three points ahead. Um. Yeah, do you guys have it? You tune in on any mark? Yeah, I saw the United game and uh, it's all been talked about. Uh, I think Pogba, getting Pogba back is crucial for them because uh, uh, with him back, uh, they are getting some creativity and some power back in the midfield. Uh, then I saw the Liverpool game. I think uh, Mohamed Salai was unplayable. Scored, he scored a brace and could have easily had two more. And... Uh, Liverpool really dominated that game and uh, it was a really one-sided game. And rest, I just saw the highlights and yeah, Chelsea had a good game and most of the big teams won. I think our next opponents, Burnley, I think they had a good game and they are really looking like a solid team. So, uh, we'll have to work hard to beat them and I hope 
we do that convincingly. I um, seen a tweet earlier, and I had a bit of a laugh. A West Brom fan, he was a season ticket holder, and he said, uh, "I've lost my season ticket, and uh, whoever finds it, you can keep it." Oh, shit. <laughs> he was uh, not not a happy camper, but um, I'll just have a quick shout out because I, I also follow Roma, so it was good that Roma got the points over Lazio. So thank you. Um, and Everton, you are still shit. Yeah, I saw another game which was a very boring game. Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. It was a very boring oh, game. Who, who and won I think, that game? Uh, who won? Yeah, it was a draw. Nil-nil draw. Yeah. Uh, but it was a very boring game. Not many chances and both the teams looked sloppy. So it was a very boring game. Ah, they were mentioned, Savvy. Nil-nil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, um... This we're proudly brought to you by our good friends over at Football Culture. Now, they have given us a Lacazette jersey. Now, there's only a couple of entries in for this Lacazette jersey, so all you have to do is download Voice Bite, tell us in your 15 seconds your favourite Arsenal moment. Send it off to Twitter, hashtag CET, or a couple of been hashtag and Lacazette giveaway. And like I said, I think there's about five entries, so... You've got a really, really good chance. Um, it finishes on the, I think we said the 26th. So you only got a week. So it's next podcast. Um, this time next week, we're actually going to draw a winner. So I think it's five entries at the moment. So pretty good odds. <laughs> uh, and like I said, that's you know courtesy of our friends at Football Culture. And you can also use a 10% discount. And I know for people in America, and we see you on the stats, thank you for listening. And people in Australia, you are actually saved good money. I'm getting one of these jerseys sent to me now so I can check out the quality and everything and I will get back to you because I know a lot of people are a bit sceptical when it comes to jerseys. So I will test it. Um, And Tony's got one heading his way as well to test it out. Um, So we'll let you know because I've had heaps of questions eh, about... Are they fakes? Are they this and that? And I've spoke with the people of football culture and they've assured me they're a, an official replica jersey. So you can find them at football-culture.com. You can use the 10% discount code, which you'll find on our Twitter at clockntalk or clockn underscore talk. And, yeah, see how you go. But they are, you'll, you'll save a lot of money. Um... <laughs> right, that's it, boys. We'll come back next. Before week. we before we go, Tez, I, I have a couple of interesting questions that if anyone wants to take a stab at. Yep. Shoot. All right. So uh, I'm not allowed to say this person's handle because uh, this person DM'd me. So I'm just gonna put it out there. Uh, Pochettino against the big six, so called. Yeah. Uh, his away record is one win six draws and 10 losses in the last 17 games that equates to nine points out of a possible 51 why is the media sitting on his dick because he's not Arsene Wenger <laughs> I mean uh, I mean of course uh, uh, what have you just very tell me them, uh, tell me them stats again Did that's say- one win six draws and 10 losses in his last 17 away games against the Big Six. And they are hailing him as the next Real Madrid manager. So, 
that's yeah, really I mean, over the top. I mean, to be fair to him, and I mean, I'd like to put this in a broader context. That's why I didn't talk about his record against Arsenal. Uh, is that yes, Tottenham are in a yeah. better shape overall. Of course, they didn't turn up uh, yesterday. They are in a better shape, most people would would say, uh, than than Arsenal. But when we look at the look at the team in terms of the league, and not just you know the cross town rivalry. Uh, you know, people compare are already comparing him to Mourinho, that he's better than Mourinho. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the, the Pep comparisons are not far away if Pep was not, you know, creating this amazing side in Manchester. But it does seem like that the, the preference and the appeal of Pochettino is elevated for some reason, uh, whether that's because of man management or because of whatever. But I, I think uh, this, this gentleman brings up a very valid point that, you know, we slate managers for results at the end of the day. But for some reason, Pochettino forgoes that. What do you guys think it is? Uh, personally, like, I'm not trying to be a huge Tottenham admirer or anything, but he's taken a team that were fifth at best and they've definitely improved and now they're second, and people mention him in the title race now, whereas for the last 40 years, probably, they've never even, you didn't even cross your mind. Like, they didn't look, you weren't, you never looked at the Tottenham's odds to win the league. Um, that record is bad, but obviously, and it is, it's awful, and he should be brought up more. But I think if you look over the season, he's vastly improved Tottenham, and he, he's, put their, he's put their names in the papers, which they previously weren't. So, as much as I'm not trying to give them any credit for anything, because I don't want to, um, that as I said, that record should be brought up more. But I mean, you can't deny that he's vastly improved the club and made them headline worthy, as I said, which they previously weren't. So that's why he's thought of so highly. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is a case that that record, and it's look, it will come out now that. He never lost at the Emirates, and I think it was in four attempts. So he drew all of them. He's never won either. So it was. It went. To, the narrative will now change from never won, uh, never lost to no winning five. That's how much one game can change. Um, can change the views of people. If he'd have drawn yesterday, it'd still be never lost at the Emirates. And now he has that loss. It'll be no winning five. Or and now people were. That stat is starting to come up, the one that Shrim mentioned. It was on Match of the Day in England last night, that same stat. So it is just a narrative. If he has a few bad results, trust me, all of them, the, the negative stats will start coming out. On the other hand, if he now has five wins in a row, all the positive stats will come out. It's all narrative. Oh, look, from what he's... I look, look back. I, I'm not... OK, that, that record really did surprise me. Um, but... To me, on face value, he, he's, he seems to be a pretty good manager. Like he has taken, and I, I don't want to be jumping on the fucking the Tottenham fanboy thing because I'm definitely not that. But he has taken that club to a new height or a new level, um, and you you just see that by the way they play. What they finished last year, third or fourth, was it? Uh, but they they were in Champions League. Um, yeah, third it might have been. They second. What? They finished they finish second last. Yeah, they finished second. Second. So wow. that's a pretty big accomplishment to finish second. And I not I look. I haven't researched nothing. So, but I don't know what they spent on the transfer window last year. But I don't think it would have been as much as your Manchester City and your Manchester United's, um, even even your Chelsea's and 
keep in mind. Yeah, like, definitely you not. Know, so, so to finish second would have been uh, batting against the, you know, going really well. Um, but that that stat win did shock me. <laughs> so I was like, well, well, let me let me put it this way to you guys. Do you guys think that from what we've seen so far from Pochettino, whether it's at Southampton or at Tottenham, do you think he's the sort of manager that you want to bring in to a team that is finishing second or third, you know, uh, for, let's say, the last five years? So, or for a team that is finishing, you know, fifth or sixth and, try to, and trying to break into that top, uh, top four desperately. So is he someone who can elevate? I think, I think the, he can elevate a team more so than keep a team at yeah. the top. Right, so you think That's he's right. more Mourinho-like yeah, yeah. than than Pep-like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 right there with you. I, I don't that. Rate, I, think... I don't rate Pep much at all. Be honest. I think he's a good manager, and yes, he's got he's got good um, credentials and whatnot. But he's had some pretty good fucking teams with some good budgets. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 same uh, same with Mourinho. Yeah, what were you saying? I, I would not slightly disagree, but. I would say, look, he's got a proven record of elevating teams. He clearly made Southampton a better team. He's clearly made Tottenham a better team. Uh, I would say he's not had the chance to see if he's a front-running manager. Um, so I think it's a little bit harsh to say he's a elevating manager rather than a maintaining a, a top team manager. Uh, time will tell, really. But at the moment, you're both correct in saying that he has better, he's proved better that he is a team, gets a sixth or seventh place team and makes them a better side and improves their league position. But I think it's a little bit harsh to say he's not a manager that could, could do the other side of it because he's just not had the chance. Yeah, and he will get the chance. He, his next job, he will get, I would imagine, the next big job that comes. He'll get offered the next big job that comes along. Whether he leaves Tottenham for that job is anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. Superb. Okay, just a couple of more things that, uh, that this gentleman brought up. Uh, and one of them was, what do you guys think was the mistake that Tottenham made in terms of picking up their team, uh, the lineup? Uh, I, must, I must say that the, the, the conversation I was having with this guy was very pragmatic. He's an Arsenal fan, but most of his questions were based on Tottenham because he thought that we won because of the mistakes that Tottenham made, whether that was before the game in terms of their lineup or based on the mistakes they made in-game. And I had a very good conversation with him. He wanted me to keep it private. That's why I'm not mentioning his name. But one of the things he mentioned was that leaving Harry Winks out of the team and starting Musa Sissoko was was the biggest mistake made by Pochettino. Do you guys agree? And if not, then what do you guys think was the mistake Pochettino made? No. Um, I think it was uh, starting the other Harry. I think it was starting Harry Kane. I think it shows that they're too dependent on him. And... Uh, the the way the, the way they were playing, uh, Harry Kane didn't seem agile at all. I mean, he's not really that agile anyway. But with the iffy knee, it's going to be hard for him to turn. It's going to be hard for him to latch onto any balls. It's, I think that starting him was bad. Lorente isn't any better, but that was one of the. I think that was the major problem because they tried to start funneling attacks through Harry Kane, and he just wasn't agile enough to get onto the balls. But yeah, I, I definitely see the the argument about Harry Winks as well. Um. I had, I've got a bit like Kane. Obviously, I was there. As soon as Kane came out for the warm up, he clearly wasn't fit. Had they not had that Man United game a few weeks ago where they were completely blunt without him, he wouldn't have started. He was no, he was in no shape to play. Um, but obviously, because of what happened at Old Trafford, they felt like they had to take the risk. Um, 
Also, on the Harry Winks thing, I don't think it was a Harry Winks or Sissoko. I think it was a Harry Winks or Dembele because they needed the engine, especially when you consider that they knew Ramsey was going to play and you have to be able to match that engine. Dembele is not going to do that. I think Dembele is an excellent player and I thought he was their best player for the minutes he was on the pitch. But um, they had to try and match the, the engine of um, Ramsey and Harry Winks isn't going to do that. He's a nice, tidy player. He's a good player, but... He's not. He's a more. He's a technical player that gets the ball and gives it, keeps it nine times out of ten, probes and looks forward. But he's not going to be your box to box. So I think Sissoko was in there with the job of marshalling Ramsey. To be honest, um, so I think the decision was Harry Winks or Dembele, and I, I, I'd imagine most of us would agree that you start a fit Dembele out of them two. And again, there was also questions over Harry Winks' fitness. Obviously, he pulled out of the England squad. Uh, was he injured? Was he not? We'll never know. But that that could be another factor in it. Um, and uh, also, I think we starved Ericsson of the ball, and you can you could say Ericsson had a bad day, or you could really credit Arsenal for that for not letting him have any time. I mean, the only time he had the only instance in the game when he had time, he hit the post. But beyond that, you can't really mention him. And the way he's played that this season so far, that's a real compliment to Arsenal. What else you got, uh, Schwinn, from this Spurs fan? Uh, well, oh, sorry, he's Arsenal an Arsenal fan. fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like he's a Spurs fan, right? That sounds like he's a Spurs fan, yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's an excellent, he's got an excellent insight. He, he always poses questions to me that, you know, I don't even think of. So I always have fun interacting with him. Here's another fun one. Mm-hmm. Uh, some stats for you guys from the game. Possession. Arsenal 42, Spuns 58. Uh, we were level on shots with 14. We had one more on target, which was five to their four. We made 37 clearances uh, while they made 22. 17 tackles for the Gunners, 12 for Spunts, and touches 615 to Arsenal and uh, 758 uh, to Spunts. Now, what what he uh, specifically points out to is the possession, which is 42 to 58 in uh, their favor, and clearances, which is 37 clearances for the Arsenal and 22 for Tottenham. Now, what he talks about is at home, if you, I mean, if you just watch the game without looking at these stats, you wouldn't think that you know it was a defensive performance. Uh, these stats suggest that it was. Uh, is that something you guys expected coming into this game? And if yes, and if we get results based on this, why do you think that we don't do this enough at home? I, I, don't I think wanna, it's uh, yeah. I was gonna say I yeah, don't want to steal all of the uh, answer in time, but I'll just touch on a few of them points quickly and I'll leave the others to think for anyone else. Uh, firstly, the possession would have been vastly different at half-time than it was at full-time, I'd imagine. I've not seen it, but the second half, we clearly let them have the ball at the back and said, go on then, break us down, which would contribute to both possession and the amount of passes that they made being a lot more than ours. And the other thing I want to touch on, and they touched on it on Match of the Day last night for any English or anyone that watched Match of the Day, you don't know if it's being, being English. Um, Tottenham defended very, very high so if you change the word clearance for pass over the top, I think it would be more accurate. Like even, say, in the last 10 minutes, I think we got in three or four times by balls over the top to, to Sanchez. Yep. So I think, I think if you change the wording of that, they were technically clearances as well. The, the clearances isn't wrong, but you change the wording and it just shows that we worked on a fatality, uh, a weakness that they had. And um, 
if you're saying just to answer the last point, why don't we do that against other teams? Because other teams you can't play balls in behind because they sit on the edge of the area. Tottenham came, Tottenham in that second half had to come and attack us because they were two 0 down, and it left a lot of space in behind. Savvy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, these uh, stats, I think they are more down to the fact uh, that we were leading after 41 minutes. And Tony mentioned that uh, the position in the first half, I think, was uh, 48 for Arsenal and 52 for Spurs. And uh, uh, then we are leading 2-0. So, definitely we don't mind uh, them having the ball, whether we are at home. Because we were more trying to protect our lead. So, obviously, they are going to have uh, more possession. And then, obviously, when we are protecting the lead... Uh, we'll clear the ball more. So, it's more down to the fact that we were leading in the leading by two goals in the second half. So, that's why these stats came up. Uh, otherwise, I don't think if it was an even game at half-time, uh, it would have been uh, mostly equal. There's one other stat you've missed here. Arsenal, Arsenal had 11 fouls. They had 16. The scabby fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, right. what else you got, Mike? Anything else? Yeah, quick one. We can go around the table for this one. What did you guys uh, enjoy more? Uh, the Alexis slide as he was trying to retrieve the ball from going into touch in the 92nd minute. Uh, I think you guys remember that. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, do you guys enjoy that more or do you guys enjoy Kolasinac bullying Trippier across Holloway? Go, Tony. Uh, Savvy, go. Tony, um, let's start with you. Uh, Sanchez, because it showed something different in him. Um, and it was done like with a smile on his face and done in jest, but he was also annoyed at himself for missing the chance. But do you know what? In the ground, as stupid as it sounds, because it was a 90-second minute, I think that was the, the first time when people thought, we can relax, we won. Because it's Arsenal. Mm-hmm. We've seen us lose two goal leads before. We've seen all... Well, we always think of the bad things. So I think it was literally like the 90 odd minute, 90 second minute. And that summed it up. It was like the players are relaxed now. They know we've done it. Um, and it, yeah, it was just a bit of comedy. It brings something else to the game. Savvy, you want to have a side? Savvy? Yeah, for me, uh, Kolasin had bullying Trippier because it clearly showed our dominance over, uh, over Spurs. And I really like that. You want to, Carl, you want to say something? Yeah, um, I'm going to say the Alexis Sanchez one because everyone on Twitter is starting to infer that he's mocking, uh, what's it, Jürgen Klinsmann when he did that for Spurs yeah. a few years back. <laughs> oh, well, I wonder if he's actually aware of that. No, no, yeah. He, he, he probably isn't, going. but now he's now he's looking back on it. Uh, it's, it's just comedy gold. Isn't it? I, I was going to say the same thing. Um, Anyway guys I think let's wrap it up Because we have given the listeners an hour and a half Of entertainment here today Or tonight wherever you listen to around the world And they're probably going to turn off (laughs) But Quality (laughs) entertainment (laughs) Yes Um, Look, We just love talking Arsenal We probably talk all day but we will move on And we'll be back next week um, After the clone game Europa League Look, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. We are the Clock End Talk. You can follow us at Clock End underscore talk. We are also on Facebook, which is doing really well. Um, just Clock End Talk at Facebook. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank My London is red. We are. See you. Yeah. <laughs>